Good morning and welcome to San Diego First Church. My name is Matt Wilson. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Today is our first Sunday of Advent. It is the beginning of a new year for us in our Christian calendar, and we come to celebrate this week the hope that we have in Christ. That as Christ comes and dwells with us, we know that we have hope. As a part of our tradition here, uh, just in our Sunday services, we have prayer tables on either side. You can light a candle as a, as a representation of your prayer. In addition that we have in this beginning week of Advent, we have these devotionals that we'd love for you to have if you are looking for some devotional reading this Advent season. It's a, it's a devotional that is inspired by Henry Nouwen, and it goes through week by week, day by day, uh, insights and themes that present themselves in this Advent season. So as we begin to worship this first Advent of the year, I'd love for you to join in with us. Justin. Good morning. Uh, would you stand with us as we sing together this morning? Yeah. 
Amen. Uh, you may be seated for a moment, and I'm going to invite the Holcomb family to come up and read um, our Advent scripture uh, for this first Sunday of Advent. Good morning. My name is Daniel, and this is my wife, Stephanie, and this is Benji, Emmy, and baby Rye. (laughs) All right. Today begins the season of Advent, and this is the start of the Christian calendar. Advent is a season that prepares our hearts and minds for the celebration of Christ's arrival. We will begin the year by celebrating God's greatest gift to the world, the birth of Christ. Advent comes from a Latin word meaning the coming, and it refers to the four-week season we enter into today. This season isn't only one for looking back and reflecting. We actually recognize and celebrate the coming of Jesus in three distinct movements. Christ came into the world as a baby, challenging our ideas about divinity, power, and love, and Christ comes to each of us today by saving, healing, and transforming us. Christ will come again when he returns to earth as reigning King and Lord. Each of these movements of Christ are movements of hope. We could take great hope in the fact that just as God became incarnate, and dwelt with us, God continues to come to us every day anew through the Holy Spirit. And we look forward to the promise of Christ's return. (laughs) This morning we'll light the candle of hope. As we begin in a new year, it's a good practice to reflect on the year we've just lived. Despite the challenges, frustrations, and despair that may surround us, we look to Christ as our inspiration and hope. Everything that has happened this year, the good and the bad, the beautiful and the challenging, remind us of the hope that we have in Christ. Advent reminds us of where we place our hope, that we trust in a gracious, faithful, powerful God, a God who lived among us, and intimately knows us. As we light the hope candle this morning, let's open our hearts to the miracle of Christ's coming and to God's call upon our lives. Together, let us be grateful for how God has moved in our lives before and find strength to hope once again in the God who lives among us. May God move among us this Advent, prompting us to remember the hope we have in Christ and consider how we may be used to bring hope into the lives of others. Thank you. 
if you're able, um, would you stand again with us as we sing together again? Oh, you've come to bring peace, to be So you've come to bring light, to be light, to shine brighter in us. Oh, yeah. 
Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Amen. Well, this morning uh, we stand together um, covered in the peace of Christ, um, Christ himself being our peace, and together we're united in that peace this morning. And so uh, we just invite you to take a few moments to um, pass that peace to one another and um, say hello. Well, good morning, everybody. I hate to cut this off every time I get tasked to this. It's like, this is church to me. I'd rather just let you guys keep going. But uh, go ahead and say that last uh, hello, goodbye, talk to you later, see you at lunch, make your way back to your seat. Um, This is the point in our service where we get the opportunity to say so long to our kids and our teens as they head over uh, to their children's church and youth uh, Bible study that takes place this morning during this service. Um, And as we dismiss them, if you'll join me in reading this prayer that's up on your screens um, out loud with me. This is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. See you, kids. See you, teens. Um, If you haven't already had the opportunity to do so, uh, there's a QR code that's going to be up here on the screen. It's also on the very front of your bulletin. Um, And if you hover your smartphone camera over that QR code, a little link will pop up. It'll take you to a brief check-in form. All you got to do is type your name in there. If you have a change to your physical address, mailing address, or any contact information, you can uh, submit that as well. Um, Or if there's a prayer request or anything else you want to communicate with your church staff, we check this form um, after every Sunday morning, see how everyone is doing, uh, review in our staff meetings, and so if you'll take the time to take a few moments and fill out that form, uh, we greatly appreciate it. 
Uh, I've realized I haven't introduced myself. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Tyler. I'm on church staff here. Um, and it's just so great to be with all of you this morning as we kick off the Advent season uh, with our worship service this morning. Um, I want to make sure you guys know about all of the fun and exciting things that we have coming up uh, this Advent season here at church. Uh, starting uh, with next Sunday is our Joyful Sounds of Christmas uh, service. We have two service times uh, for that. It starts at 9 a.m. and then again at 10.30 a.m. Same service. You don't have to go to both, but you can if you want to. That's what I always say. It's over in the uh, Family Life Center across the Friendship Plaza from here. And this is a wonderful, wonderful service that we have every year uh, led by Victor Lebensky and the the choir and orchestra that he puts together for this service, a musical telling of the Christmas story. It's, it's truly just the best. Um, this is also a great service to invite your family, friends, neighbors to if they, you want to help them get into the Christmas spirit. So I have these little quarter cards that are available at uh, the hub in the foyer. If you want to pick a few copies of this up, feel free, pass them out to those that you'd like to invite to this service. It has the details for Joyful Sounds, as well as all of our other Advent services on the back. And you can use this to invite friends to, to all the things that we have going on this Christmas season. Uh, the Sunday after Joyful Sounds is, of course, our children's musical. Uh, that takes place in here in Brown Chapel at 10.30 a.m. And I'm super excited. I've been able to be a part of uh, the team that's helping the kids get ready for this musical. It's super fun, super funny, and I think you're all really going to enjoy it. Another great way to get into the Christmas spirit. Uh, so I hope you all plan to be here for that um, on Sunday morning, December 11th. Um, and then following the musical, that same Sunday, it's a tradition around here that we invite our kids, uh, their families that come to watch the musical, and then of course, of course, our church community, uh, we invite you all to get together and join us for a meal. Typically in the past that has happened out on the Friendship Plaza, but this year we're heading back to the PLNU cafeteria for their brunch um, and getting together there. It's a win for everybody. Uh, they get to prep the meal for us, and then the kids get to eat as much soft serve ice cream as they want to. So really, it's like a no-lose situation. Um, and so we'd love to have you join us for that. Uh, it does help us a lot to plan in advance and communicate with the cafeteria if we know about how many to expect. So in order to do that, we are selling vouchers that will get you into the cafeteria that Sunday in advance. Uh, the prices are $6 for kids and then $11 for adults. And uh, Rihanna is actually out of town this Sunday, so you can find me after service in the foyer, and I'd be happy to sell you as many cafeteria vouchers as you'd like to purchase to invite your neighbors, your friends, your family, everybody to join us for that meal after the children's musical on Sunday, December 11th. We'd love to have you there. And then lastly, I want to make sure all the ladies in the house know about our women's gift exchange taking place uh, in December as well on the 17th um, at 7 p.m. Uh, this is like a, a gift exchange. Uh, I think it's kind of white elephant style, but the idea is you bring something that you really enjoy, one of your favorite things, uh, and that goes into the gift exchange, and then you leave with something new. So it should be a really fun event, uh, celebrate the Christmas season uh, with our ladies. And so if you have any questions, just contact the church office, and we'll let you all know, still determining a location for that event, uh, but we'll, we'll let you know as soon as we have that would love to have all of you there. Um, at this point in our service, I would love to invite up uh, Stephanie to read our scripture. Today our reading is from Isaiah chapter 2 verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord 
from Jerusalem. God shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk into the light of the Lord. Hey. 
Thank you, choir. What a beautiful taste for next week. So I hope you come back and enjoy more of that next week. My name is Dee. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's a real privilege for me to take us a little deeper into the passage that Stephanie uh, read for us a few moments ago. Before I do, I just wanted to make a couple of comments. Um, one is that this is a chilly morning. Can I just uh, say that? And acknowledge that um, this wonderful facility that we have has a wonderful, powerful boiler that just sits up in that area over there. I'm not pointing to heaven. There's an attic back over here. And it runs off of two pumps. And um, not one of the pumps, but both of the pumps went out this last week. And to replace them takes a couple weeks to get the parts in. And so, yesterday I came in here and um, closed all of the doors and tried to preserve whatever heat was left in this room, set up three tiny little room space heaters, like trying to, f <laughs> trying to fill a swimming pool with a teacup. It was just ridiculous. So whatever heat is being generated by you is our source of heat this uh, morning. And um, the spirit that we have collectively, hopefully, will keep us warm somewhat. But that's the background. Next week, we will be over in the Family Life Center where the heaters are working well. Hopefully that gives us two weeks to get this back up and running for the children's musical where we will have quite a few of our neighborhood guests joining us, parents of kids and relatives. And so all of you who are regulars here, I want to commission you as greeters and welcomers, whether it be in the parking lot, out in the um, foyer area, in the Friendship Plaza, just let's do our best to make our neighborhood feel welcome on one of those wonderful services two weeks from now when parents of kids come and join us. The same is actually true in a different sense, kind of a different group of our neighborhood that come to hear joyful sounds of Christmas. It's not the parents of kids, it's the friends of you. It's our neighborhood who's heard about it and knows this long-standing tradition. So I hope as well that uh, in between services, before each service, you would feel like you have been um, encouraged, ordained to reach out a hand, say hi, greet people, even if it ends up being somebody that's been attending this church for four years and you just didn't know it. What a great opportunity to say, my bad, um, great to have you here and finally meet you after all this time that you've been here. So please, reach out the next couple of weeks. Um, and a special greeting, given that this is a holiday weekend, for a lot of people that haven't been here in a while, I'm seeing some wonderful faces that are part of our fellowship, but have either moved away or are back visiting, and relatives and friends that are here. Welcome. It is a joy to have you join with us this day. Um, and so, particularly for those who weren't here last week, that this is kind of a soft opening kickoff for the next three years. We follow a course of readings called the lectionary. Many faith traditions do that. Many Christian faith traditions do that. A way by which to dig into all the different genres of scripture over the course of three years. And this Sunday is the first Sunday of the first year where we jump in, as was said earlier, to the readings of Isaiah. We'll be leaning into those readings for the next four week, uh, 
four weeks during the Advent season, but we're going to continue on this journey together. So this week, the four readings take us into Matthew and uh, into um, Psalm, Psalm 122, beautiful psalm. We'll be here in Isaiah. We'll have tools for you as time unfolds. January 8th is kind of the grand opening of digging into this together because there are so many special services that take place during Advent. But that's what we're doing is jumping into Isaiah. And this is Isaiah chapter 2, where we are told that the word was seen by Isaiah, son of Amos. And this then becomes a declaration of what Amos saw. Now, some of you may have come to the place where Isaiah has become your favorite book. It's powerful. It's strong. For those of us who have not spent much time in Isaiah, sometimes the response is, what in the world is Isaiah saying? This is supposed to be poetry. Nothing rhymes. I'm not sure I get what's going on with this poet who talks about these grandiose images very often and then starts incorporating very practical things of life. We have here in this brief five verses talking about the mountain of the Lord and other mountains becoming subservient to that mountain. And then it gets real practical and talks about um, utensils that are used in farming. How do these things come together? Well, let's set the stage here just a little bit. The book of Isaiah, this beautifully curated collection of sermon poetry, it's beautiful in its imagery. It has really three different kind of movements to it. There is a movement that starts off, a, a movement of judgment, and this is the longest of the three movements. It goes from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 39. And then there is a section that extends from chapter 40 to chapter 55 that is less about judgment and more about comfort. And then the closing section, the shortest one of all, would take us from chapter 56 to chapter 66 and is really about hope, which is the word that's part of this Advent season. But we're near the beginning in this judgment section. Now, it's not to say there isn't judgment in other sections or there isn't hope in this section. There is both. But the dominant theme shifts as it moves from section to section. A book that seems to span several generations. But this opening portion from Isaiah, who very likely was a prophet, an insider, not an outsider on the skirts of town, um, preaching and hoping that somebody listens. He is more of an insider at the heart of what's taking place in the community. At least that's what it appears. And, and speaking words, both to those who are in power and those who are the working class, 
powerful statements that envision something different than what is, particularly in this opening line where it says, here is the word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw. The language there seems very strange to me and to others, that we have a word that Isaiah sees or envisions. Normally you think of a word that you read or a word that you hear, but here we have a word that he envisions. There is with Isaiah this powerful sense of prophetic vision that he casts for the people. The theme throughout this portion is really a strong theme about holiness. And when we think of the word holiness, I'm not sure what conjures up in your mind a, um, sacred things that are used like communion elements or a communion table or the, um, maybe an Advent wreath that reminds us of the holiness of God. For Isaiah, this notion of holiness becomes central, electrifying, powerful, compelling, inviting, it is the very thing that whets the appetite of those who see it, drawn to the light of something that's bigger, better, more incredible than they ever imagined. It is the notion that holiness draws us in to the best of what creation could be and is. Taken a step further, holiness is that which draws us to being the best that we could ever imagine being. It is not something separate and other and distant. It might fit under the definition we've used in the past, which set apart for holy use, but that notion of being set apart for holy use is being set apart for that which is the best that could ever be imagined. And the prophetic vision begins to cast for us a picture of what can be. What's so powerful about Isaiah in this passage, though, is that he doesn't hide from what has been. It seems to me that often we cast a thought to the future with no acknowledgement to all that has got us to the place where we are. Both the good and the bad the structures that are in place, the systems that operate, the good that's been done, the harm that's been done. In this vision that Isaiah begins to unfold for us, there is an acknowledgement of history. Probably 400 years before this was written, the dawn of the Iron Age began. It was transformative. It changed the way you could harvest crops. It provided tools that could be used to provide more food than you could have ever provided before without these amazing tools that began to be used in particular ways. The other side of that, though, is that it also became useful 
to weaponize those who wanted to conquer. And so tools that once, or iron that once was used for the ability to harvest more then became an industry is probably the wrong word, but a commercial enterprise whereby people would forge spears and swords, weapons of all sorts. So no longer was it possible for a nation just to call all of the farmers to defend those who were going to invade the countryside because those who were coming to invade the countryside were coming with weapons, not with pruning hooks. They were coming with chariots and not with some type of plowing instrument. And so this age of iron weaponized the Assyrians, the Egyptians. And there's an acknowledgement of that as Isaiah begins to proclaim a vision of the future. A hope where we aren't pummeling each other over and over again as one nation conquers another and another nation conquers another and then another nation comes in and conquers. I am reminded I probably ought to read it because I don't want to mess up what is a powerful, powerful quote. It's a speech that you can find a segment of posted on the headstone of the memorial for Dwight D. Eisenhower. Dwight D. Eisenhower was the president when I was born. For those of you who remember some of your history, he um, led the forces in World War II, and after World War II, became involved um, after his military career in politics, was elected as president. In a 1953 speech, let's give peace a chance. A quote from that is written on his headstone that says, every gun that is made Every warship launched, every rocket fired signifies, in the final sense, a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, those who are cold and are not clothed. Wouldn't mean so much if I said that. But for someone who saw the horrors of things that took place, and recognized the cost and price, not just in lives there on the battlefield, but in lost opportunities. He enumerates scientists giving their time to those things instead of solving problems that we have of a nature that could increase education, technology, understanding. It was a poignant acknowledgement of a president who said, I know this and what has been, 
And I just want those who have ears to hear that I wish for something else. Wasn't saying that some things weren't necessary or how you stand up to things. It wasn't a statement about that. It was just saying, could we envision something more? The powerful statement of MLK, who said, I dream of a day when I will live in a nation where my four children are judged not by the color of their skin, but by the quality of their character. It's a vision, something that draws us into the future while still acknowledging what has been. This is Isaiah, who sees the word. I'm convinced as I look through Scripture that this is actually a call of God on all of us, that when the Holy Spirit begins to work in our life, there is an invitation to envision, which is what this word really points to, envision that which can be. inspired to dream of something different. An attorney and author who I greatly respect, Brian Stevenson, it seems to me he heard that notion of, notion, that powerful challenge of Martin Luther King, being judged not by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character, that judgment seems like he took it literally and he's the one about whom the movie and book Just Mercy is about starting a practice down in the South for those who are in death row, particularly those who were adolescents, defending those who had an inability to secure good defense for themselves and gave his lifetime to trying to reverse the notion of judgment that at times seemed inequitable and stand in the gap because he envisioned a future that might look different than what the present was. So I, I just would ask us, at the start of a new three-year journey together. What would it be like if we took it upon ourselves to pray and ask God to help us envision a future? Maybe you have thoughts like Isaiah that speak in large, broad terms of a nation or a world where, where swords get beaten into plowshares. Speaking of that imagery, the fascinating um, oh, marker 
at the um, United Nations Plaza. It's a large statue of a very, very muscular man. And he has in one hand the, the top end of a, the handle portion of a sword and a foot on the bottom of it and it's bent. And in this right hand, he has a huge hammer and the title of it is We Shall Beat Swords into Plowshares done by a Russian artist by the name of Vushitek and given to the United Nations by the USSR in 1959. What a beautiful marker for a hope and a vision that seems again and again yet to be realized. But what if... What if? What if we would take time to pray and be open to the Holy Spirit's movement in our hearts of a vision where something that doesn't feel right to us could be different? What if in prayer, we thought about our neighborhood and asked ourselves, what if something were different? What if? What might be the vision that the Holy Spirit would place in our lives? What about the community of faith? My heart hurts over divisions and anger and finger-pointing that happens within our Christian faith communities. What if? What if we tapped in somehow to the vision that Isaiah has that speaks about the people of God living lives of kindness and gentleness, and compassion. What if? What would it start to look like? How would mountains begin to move? How would the mountain of the Lord begin to take shape? How would people then become to seek out God's guidance at the temple of the Lord? What if? What if in our quiet prayer time, we asked, what if, about our families, about our relationships? What if something was different? Oh, but Dee, you know, it takes two people in a relationship to make something change. And I'd say, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it just takes one person and something has to change. Systems and ruts are so deep and ways are, are kind of emblazoned. But if just one person changes, the truth about family systems is everything else has to move a little bit. What if we began to envision a future? And what if in that prayer we said an 
Oh God, if that vision is to come to pass, how would I be different now? Not, oh Lord, and when everybody else changes, I promise I'll join in with the change that takes place. <laughs> or when all of these things come to pass and I see you working in these circumstances, you bet, I'll join in. I'll raise my hand and be part of that. If the Holy Spirit has come and begun to work in our life, the question is, and oh God, if that's to be, then who am I to be now? How do I change my spirit, my approach, my attitude, my efforts in kindness, in generosity, in gratitude? How might I begin to see God's word? What's a heavenly vision look like when I read about Christ's call on my life? It is so hard for some of us to have an imagination that allows the Spirit to take us to a place of heaven-touching earth. I will pray it again and again. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I love those words, but rarely do I stop long enough to say, and oh God, if heaven were to touch earth in me first, how am I to be different so that heaven can touch earth around me? What would it look like for my sword to be beaten into a plowshare? What would it look like for my spear to be beaten into a pruning fork, something that could be useful to help others. And am I so naive to think that a lot of my words aren't spears? A lot of my attitudes aren't swords? If it's going to happen, it starts with me. And can I be so bold as to maybe say, and you too? I'm going to invite us to prayer. I'm going to ask if possible, you might during our prayer time ask yourself, what keeps my imagination from soaring on wings like eagles, from scaling the Lord's mountain, from taking a journey to the holy temple? What keeps me from envisioning something that is in that umbrella of what if? My guess is that it might be all of the circumstances that hold us captive, all of the fears that enchain us, all of the worries and circumstances 
that have captured our attention and there's no time to let ourselves dream. Not dreams that are pie in the sky, but dreams that acknowledge exactly where we are right now. Let's pray together. Lord, what might it be like for us this morning before we offer the words of heaven coming to earth or your will being done on earth to just imagine what that will is? An invitation to be purveyors of peace Well, what would that look like, Lord? An invitation to be the kind of fire-burning holiness that is compelling, that draws people in closer, that refines, that transforms. A vision of transformed prison and penal systems that transforms political intercourse and dialogue, a vision of a future, a what-if that might change the way we live in our neighborhood, the way we help others, the way we engage in relationships. Lord, this morning, identify for us our hardest circumstance, our most difficult relationship, the most overwhelming situation that has so focused our attention that we can no longer dream. Now, Lord, without ignoring those things, move our glance and our gaze to the what-if possibility of your engagement, of becoming partners with you. And Lord, help us to be honest about how difficult it is when time seems to drag so long before change takes place. The amazing gallery of people of faith in Hebrews 11 talks about the ways in which they lived but acknowledged that they gave a lifetime before seeing the full realization of the vision you placed in their hearts. That feels discouraging, Lord, that the outcome of the vision may take that long. But the power of that chapter, Lord, that it transformed the way they lived in the moment. It brought a taste of heaven to earth. It perpetuated the flame of holiness. It transformed the world. 
and continues to do so today for those who cast visions for us. So those hardest circumstances, those most difficult relationships, Lord, this morning begin to formulate a vision for us. A vision of kindness and camaraderie, of love and charity, of compassion and grace, of perseverance and strength, of wisdom, a vision of hope. And Lord, if that's not hard enough, (laughs) will you, O Lord, please, this morning, help us to know how then we should live. May the spears of my words be pounded into something that's that's useful and beneficial. May the spears of my attitude be transformed into something that is encouragement and productive, helpful. May we as a community of faith, Lord, be a place where holiness is fanned into a flame, where people recognize the safety, the comfort, the hope, the generosity of a group of people that want to make a difference in their neighborhood, in their community. We come out of a season of thanksgiving, Lord. May it not just be put away on a shelf for a year, but may it mark the way we live. Thankful for your blessings, thankful for your spirit, thankful for your grace, thankful that we have the privilege to mark these moments as moments where heaven came to earth and changed things and where the what if became the why not now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. What a privilege to be with you this morning. I'd invite you to stand for closing benediction. I would also let you know that Lisa Pagan is going to do the postlude. If that's something that you want to just sit and enjoy for a few moments, that's fine at the end of this benediction. For those of you that need to go or children to pick up, I hope you do that as well. My prayer for you, my hope for you, my blessing on you is that God's Spirit would descend on your life and that you might begin to see God's Word. Envision a future of what-if possibilities that come alive in you because you've given yourself to the work of God's Spirit in your life. So may this week be filled 
with swords that get beaten into plowshares, spears that get beaten into pruning forks. And may we be purveyors of God's peace, reflecting the peace of God in your heart. Go in God's love. God be with you.